Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're getting it started. I'm excited. I, 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 you guys know I'm excited. I told you guys last week what was happening. Uh, it is a great week for college football. Week. It was a great weekend in college football. Uh, week 12, we're past the Thanksgiving break of NFL season, so this is going to be really good. I, I can't wait. How is everybody doing out there? Shouts out to everybody listening. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. Shouts out to all the regular listeners. Shouts out if you're a first-time listener. Um, I hope you come back. Uh, but I can't wait to get into it. Uh, big, big-time weekend. A great weekend for college football. Obviously, Lincoln rallied to USC. We will talk about, obviously, Michigan beating Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh finally getting that monkey off his back. We'll talk about that. And also... Brian Kelly, it seems like he's leaving LSU. He's leaving Notre Dame to go to LSU. Big time jobs, big time hirings, big time coaches, big time win from Jim Harbaugh and his Michigan team. So we're going to get into that. Also, NFL stuff. So we're rocking and rolling. MLB baseball signings and and so forth. We're rocking and rolling. But, you know, first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kidd of the Isaiah Kidd Podcast. We're ready to get into it. Um, So... I always talk about patience, right? I think patience, right? Jim Hallball, I, I, and you guys know, if you guys are a longtime listener of the podcast or just been listening to this podcast for a minute, you guys will know that I am a, some people call me like a Jim Hallball apologist or like a, um, they may call me like a Jim Hallball apologist. I'm more of a supporter. And I, and all I had to do was just look at what Jim Hallball has done throughout his coaching career in college, collegiately, at the collegiate level, even at the NFL level, too, because he had success with the 49ers. But I see him turn around Stanford. I see him turn around the 49ers. And now we're watching it in Michigan. And I, the biggest knock prior to or prior to Jim Hallball beating Ohio State this past Saturday, the knock on him was he can't win the big game. He can't beat the rivals. He can't beat Michigan State consistently. He, you know, he lost Michigan State this year too. Um, and he can't beat Ohio State. Most importantly, he can't win that game. He can't win that game at the end of November. He cannot win that Ohio State game, the big game. And he finally did it. And I say patience because of this. Okay. The Michigan and my my whole thing is has been this. What was Michigan before Jim Harbaugh? Like 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 let's let's let let's think about that. What was Michigan before Jim Harbaugh? Before Jim Harbaugh? Because I think we sometimes or the Michigan fan base they look at themselves as a big brand, which they are. The Michigan brand is big, but. They weren't like Michigan was not a winning program prior to Jim Harbaugh. First year Jim Harbaugh gets there, they're 10 and 3. And then he has a back to back 10 win season. Then followed by an 8 win season. And then another 10 win season. And then another 9 win season. And then that's where last year things got a little bit complicated. COVID year, 2 and 4. But now we fast forward this year, he's 11 and 1, and he's finally beat Ohio State and Ryan Day. So. I say patience because I'm looking at what Jim Harbaugh, like it usually takes him a couple of years to get the ball rolling. And I know it's been a long time. He's had the Michigan job since 2015. He's just now beating Ohio State six years into the job, right? And some people thought he was on the hot seat this year. Some people thought he needed a season like this in order to maintain his job or get a contract extension possibly. And he he's he's done it. So <laughs> I, I I could go crazy because I have been a long hard support. I talked about how Michigan is harder to recruit up north just because it's north and college football obviously is, you know, it's southern base. It's a lot of southern dominance that happens, but we're gonna talk about that with the Lincoln Rally move. But also Jim Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, the academics, the academic standard, it's just hard for kids to get in. Like, so when we when we pressured Harbaugh and we were giving Harbaugh this hell about how he can't beat Ohio State, my whole thing was, 
who who else is beating Ohio State in the Big Ten? Nobody else in the Big Ten is like outside of nobody else in the Big Ten is beating Ohio State consistently. Nobody. The only teams that were doing it consistently on a yearly basis and they would eventually meet up with Ohio State and the college football playoff or so forth was like the Alabamas, the Clemsons, like like literally those are the only two schools that were that was beating Ohio State. Everybody else like so when I, I kind of just I overlooked the fact that Hallball couldn't beat Michigan or, or couldn't beat Ohio State because who else was doing it? Like Urban Meyer won 90% of his games at, at at Ohio State. Ryan Day right now is doing a hell of a job at, you know, despite the loss and despite the, you know, they won't make the college football playoff this year. But despite that, they have, he, you know, Ryan Day has just picked up where Urban Meyer has left, where he left off. So Ohio State is still, still a juggernaut. And it's nothing against Ohio State. I want to make that clear. I think Michigan being good helps college football. This is why I'm so excited. Uh, and I'm like I told you guys, I'm going to talk about the Lincoln Rally move. But this is why I'm so excited because Michigan being good, Michigan actually making the college football playoff, it makes better, it, it's, it betters college football. Simple as that. It's simple as that. It's one of the more notable brands in college football and sports, period. But mainly, primarily in college football, the Michigan fan base and the Michigan brand itself, it's big. It's big. So the fact that he was able to beat Ohio State, now they obviously have to finish out the job and beat Iowa um, in the Big Ten championship game, which I think they will. So if they win out, if they win that game, they're in. If Michigan wins, they're in. And I think it's a big plus if Michigan gets into the gets into the college football playoff. We get a new team, fresh face, um, but a notable brand, a big brand, uh, almost as big as Ohio State, if not probably bigger. But like they're they're equivalent as far as brands and notoriety. So that's that. So it's it's a plus for it's a plus for Michigan and a plus for college football to get Michigan if they were to win out um, in the Big Ten championship game. It will be a plus to get them in the college football playoff. Now, Lincoln Rally. Let's, uh, okay, so let's shift gears to Lincoln Rally getting the job at USC. As we all know, as you should know, right, Lincoln Rally, <clears throat> it looks, it, it, he, he took the job at USC. He took the job at USC, and I must admit, I think some people forgot how good of a job the USC job is, and it's arguably the best job in college football. Now, where should I start? Because this is, like I said, this is huge, monumental stuff for for the sport of college football because I already have talked about, uh, like, basically since I've started this podcast, I've all I've talked about with college football and its problem is, um, or something that I you know, realize was, hey, like college football is too Southern base. It's it's Southern dominant. It, it's some it's Southern dominated. And, you you know, you, we see the same schools in the college football playoff. That's why it's so important for college football. This is why I think it was a great weekend for college football. You get a school like Michigan, big brand, but they're not at the same. They're not like on a yearly basis. Michigan, and, and, and I, I like, like I said, I said some raving things about Jim Harbaugh. I like what Jim Harbaugh is doing. He's turned the Michigan program around. But Michigan's now he Michigan's now in the same tier as far as Ohio State, Alabama, um, Georgia. You know, those th- those type of schools. They're just not. In the, they're not in the same tier. Their brand is as big or equivalent. But as far as a football program and what they put out on the field on a yearly basis consistently, it just doesn't match up. And USC in particular is one of those schools where, and I talked about this already, but it's one of those programs where they, if they get the right coach, they're damn near unbeatable just because of all of the advantages that they have at their disposal. And I think Lincoln Rowley is the right coach. This is this is a splashy big time move for USC. It's a move that they needed. It's a move that you know Dan Campbell, uh, uh, Luke Fickle. Those are really good college coaches. Those those are those are really good college coaches. 
I, I heard those were some of the candidates for the USC job. But with all due respect, that wasn't going to get it done in L.A. L.A. is full of stars. Uh, I talk about it all the time, how, like, from from the Rams to the Chargers to the Lakers to the Clippers to the Dodgers to the Angels, it's, it's star-studded. So, it's first, it's L.A. It's a great city. Second of all, it's star-studded all over the place as far as its sports teams. So, like, you got to – if you're going to hire a coach, if you're USC, you got to go big or go home. And what better way to do it with hiring Lincoln Riley, who is a top-five college football coach. He's one of the best, if not the best, offensive, creative minds in college football. And he has the power of recruiting. He can cut through L.A. This rings bells. This 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 type of hiring sends shockwaves throughout college football. And now, welcome back, West Coast. You have college football, and I've and I've talked about. It. I was like, there's one brand out west it, in Oregon. You know, to all the success that they have had over the last twenty five or so years, consistently to all of that success, there's one brand that could really, really put the West Coast back on the map, and it's USC. It's USC. So this makes sense. Lincoln Rally going to USC, USC going after Lincoln Rally, both ways. It it, it makes sense. It, it's it's big for net for networks that's covering college football because now you have West Coast, you have the West Coast. It, the West Coast is going to tune in now. The West Coast is going to tune in now. Because that's what that's honestly what college football has been missing, you know, with all of these southern powers, Alabama, Clemson, uh, Georgia, like college football has been missing this West Coast power. And I'm telling you, Lincoln Rally is going to take, you know, give him a year to like to set the culture in you at USC, but it won't take long for him to get talent and recruit. It won't take long for him. It won't. This is this is one of these. This is one of the jobs where you get the right coach. They're unbeatable. I, I told you guys this. I told you guys this a while ago when discussing college football. When it comes to college football, there's about three to four programs where you give them the right coach. They're unbeatable. Ohio State's one of those programs. Alabama's one of those programs. USC is one of those programs. Maybe Oklahoma. And Lincoln Riley just left Oklahoma. He had a 55 and 10 record. He had an 84 win. He had an 84 winning percentage at Oklahoma. So this dude's gonna win games instantly. This is not gonna be, this is not gonna be a three to four year rebuild. This is gonna be a one to two year reboot. This won't take long whatsoever. It will happen instantaneously. And you want to know the decline, the problem, the problem with USC and or the major problem or cause for their decline over these last several years is recruiting. They can't keep the talent, the California talent in California. The California talent, high schoolers, they're going to Ohio State, they're going to Alabama, they're going to Georgia, they're going to Clemson, they're going to Florida. They're going to all of these Southern-based schools, but now they can stay home. And Lincoln Riley, like I said, he has no problem recruiting. Next, like, it doesn't get any bigger than this. It really doesn't. It makes sense. It makes sense. And let me tell you, let me tell you, let me give you the reasons why. Let's actually list the reasons why. Lincoln Rally. This is a great move for Lincoln Rally. First of all, the USC culture, the Heisman Trophy winners, the national championships, conference championships. It makes sense. Second of all, it's LA. It's LA with the new NIL deals, the new NIL reality of college sports and collegiate and 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 uh, the NCAA within college football. The new name, image, and likeliness agreement. This is going to put. This is going to make USC's recruiting like it's going. It's going to be on steroids because now he has the he has the power of LA at his disposal. At he can use that to his advantage. 
This makes sense. And then the biggest reason, I think the biggest reason of it all, Oklahoma and Texas in the next in the next coming years, they're going to leave the Big 12 for the SEC. I told you, Lincoln Riley, in my opinion, I think is a top five college football coach. He's young. He's innovative. Uh, he's very vibrant. If he goes to the SEC, first of all, there's there's going to be Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Florida, LSU waiting. Texas A&M waiting. Second of all, you have if you're going if you're going to go to the SEC as a coach, you're you're sliding right down below Nick Saban because it's Nick Saban, then you got Kirby Smart, then there's Jimbo Fisher, and then not to mention the the other programs that I just named like Florida, LSU, who just signed like Brian Kelly. Now he's at LSU. You got Texas a and with Jimbo Fisher, Auburn. So, like, there's the route to the college football playoff is much more of a gauntlet. It's much more easier in the Pac-12. Not to say that Oregon, Utah isn't good, but there's some really good programs out in the out West Pac-12-wise. Like or like I said, Oregon, they've had they've they've experienced a lot of success over the last 20, 25 years. Uh Utah, they're typically good. Um, you know, uh Arizona State with Herm Atwards, they're starting to turn that program around a little bit. And Chip Kelly had a good year at US at UCLA. So like there's some good programs out west, but it's not it's not the it's not the SEC. It's not the SEC. And for a young coach, for a young superstar coach that a lot of us think Lincoln Riley is, which I think he is, and I think in his five years at Oklahoma, he proved to do that. He proved why he was that and why we're calling him that. College football playoff. That route, getting to that, is a much easier route in the Pac-12 than going than going to join the SEC. Much easier. Much easier route. Much easier path. And I think that's the bigger that's the big that's the biggest reason I think one or one of the bigger reasons why Lincoln Riley chose USC. It's it's called working smarter, not working harder. Work hard all you want. I'm gonna work smarter. Lincoln Riley's gonna work smarter. He, he you know he has no problem recruiting. He's gonna get all the best recruits. This is a this is a home run hire I think home run hire for USC. Um, once again, uh, like I said, let me read you some of the details, the contract details, the contract details for some of the contract details that have been, you know, disclosed um, or I should say leaked about this Lincoln Rally contract is just amazing. A hundred and ten million dollar con, a hundred and a hundred and ten million dollar deal. Uh, USC, they bought both of his homes in Norman for five hundred thousand dollars. They're buying him a six million dollar home in L.A. Um, and he has unlimited use of a private jet for his family 24-7. So, like, <laughs> once again, USC, they went all out. They're, they rolled out the, ro- the red carpet for Lincoln Rally, and I think it's going to be worth it. I think it's going to be worth it. I think, like I said, this is a win for Lincoln Rally. This is a win for USC, and this is a win for college football. College football now, the network's. Are going to drool over it for USC for USC now. USC, they won't. This won't be long. I I promise you. This won't. This re this rebuild. It's not even a rebuild. It's a reboot. It won't take long. It won't take a long at all. Networks are going to win college football. Now we're going to have more. It's not going to be so regional based or biased. We're going to now have a competitive West Coast team out west consistently. Like I said, nothing against Oregon. But when USC get the right coach, it's a wrap. It's a wrap and it doesn't take long. You look at what you look at what Saban did at Alabama when he first got there. I think it I think it took him about a year and a half or 2 years to turn around Alabama. Now Alabama's been unbeatable for the last 15 years. Um you look at even look at Pete Curl when he first got to USC. It took a year and a half. It took about a year and a half for him to turn around USC, and then they became unbeatable. 
there's I've told you guys this long before. I remind you again for all my new listeners. We I broke down the tiers list for college football programs. And a lot of your favorite college football programs, like the Georgias, the Michigans, um, the LSUs, the Floridas, the Oregons, those are typically like your tier two programs. Really good programs. They produce a lot of professional, you know, they produce a lot of NFL talent. Absolutely. But then the tier one threshold is, I, th- I think I had Alabama, Ohio State, USC, um, in Oklahoma. And what I mean by that is when those when those programs get the right coach, they're damn near unbeatable. And it's just this is not something I'm just making up and pulling. No, 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 no. You look at those programs, best coaches, they've been unbeatable. Bear, Bear Bryant, Nick Saban, Alabama's been unbeatable. John McKay at USC, Pete Curl, unbeatable. Bob Stoops at, at Oklahoma, unbeatable. Ryan, uh, uh, you know, Urban Meyer at Ohio State, unbeatable. When those type of programs, and, and like I said, USC, Ohio State, Alabama, when those type of programs get their hands on the right coach, it's a wrap. And USC, I think, got their hands on that right coach. I think they got their hands on the right coach. I really do. I I really do. He's gonna be, uh, you know that, and that was that was something that we don't talk about enough about USC. The reason or the cause, the biggest cause of their decline, is the mere fact that they couldn't recruit. They lack recruiting. So the mere fact that they're bringing in Lincoln Riley, who can recruit his tail off, and He'd be able, he produces really good NFL players, in particular offensive players. And you look at what you, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. Look at the quarterbacks he's had. His quarter, most of his quarterbacks have won the Heisman. Kyler Murray, Baker, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts didn't win the Heisman, but Jalen Hurts, you know, really good at Oklahoma under Lincoln Rowley. Like, these court like so he's had some dynamic quarterbacks. He's had obviously he's had some dynamic um offenses and so forth. He'll be able to recruit. He he's gonna be able to recruit soon. It won't take him long. Uh this is a big time win for LA. And L and USC, they needed to hire, they needed this type of hire. Dan Campbell, Luke Fickle, in a city where you have Mike Trout. Shohei Otani, the Dodgers superstars that they have, you know, LeBron and uh, and AD and Kawhi and PG. When you have Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, when you have all of these stars in the same city, it's kind of difficult to just hire just a great college. Like Luke Fickle, a really good college football coach. but. It's not going to send shockwaves like Lincoln Rally. I think USC found their guy. Don't forget, also, my top 10, my weekly NFL top 10. Stay tuned for that. I have my weekly NFL top 10 that I'm ready to present. I feel pretty confident about it. Uh, I know you guys are waiting. Also, I'm going to talk about who do we really trust in the AFC? Who? What teams or what teams? Do we trust in the AFC? Because now I'm trying to pick a Super Bowl favorite. It's time for me to give you guys my Super Bowl favorites. Uh, I'm going to try to do the I'm not going to do the NFC today, but I'm going to let's look at the AFC. Who do we really trust in the AFC at this moment? I'll be back at the quick break. What's up, y'all? You know, do you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? Want to rep your favorite team on any given day? Then what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Go to the47brand.com right now. Holiday sales. I'm sure they're going to have a Black Friday sale. Go check it out right now. Free shipping for orders, $75 plus. So you guys go over there to the 47 brand. 
They have your favorite teams from the MLB to the NHL to the NFL, NBA, or NCAA. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Get something. Rep your favorite team any given day. Go check out that sale before it runs out. Go check it out. The 47 brand. All right, so we're back. Um, so let's before I even get in my top ten, I know you guys are anxious. Um, let me let's talk about the AFC right now because the AFC <clears throat> it's not as uh, I don't think it's as top heavy as the NFC. The NFC, some of the top t- some of the top level teams that we thought were you know within the NFC. I've kind of like flaked out like the Rams. They haven't looked good over the past several weeks. Uh, the Cowboys have lost three of their last, uh, what, what, two of their last three games? Uh, well, three of their last four games the Cowboys have lost. So, like, so those teams, like, so, like, the Cowboys, um, the Rams, they've kind of flamed out a little bit. Still really good teams, I think. But they've just have, uh, they just have taken a step back or two. Uh, whether that's due to injury or new acquisitions or so forth, granted. But the AFC, the AFC, a lot of us thought Buffalo would be the best team. You know, obviously Kansas City was still there. The the you know the back to back, really Kansas City, the back to back AFC champions. Uh, you know, to be the man, you gotta beat the man. You know, so you know we were we you know a lot of a lot of us was anointing Buffalo, but Buffalo had yet to beat Kansas City until this year in the regular season. They put up they put a, a good a humble beatdown on Kansas City at Arrowhead. Um, obviously Baltimore's there, Tennessee's there, but the Patriots were there too. I mean, some people were kind of skeptical of them. At the start of the season, before the season started, I had picked them to make the playoffs as a wild card team. Um, so, so those were like the teams we were looking at. Obviously, Cleveland was one of those teams that we thought would be better, but they're right now at five hundred, so they're not, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not sitting too pretty. Point is, the AFC is deep. It's a really deep conference, and. I was I w- so I tried to present this argument because now and I, I and I've, I've been I've been inching closer and closer towards this point that I'm about to make over the last few weeks. I've been inching closer and closer to it, but it is not so far fetched to think that the New England Patriots can't win the AFC. Like it's not far fetched at all, and I would argue it's not so far fetched. But is it the most likely outcome? Because if the Patriots, the Patriots right now, I think are in a unique position. I think they're, I think they're in a unique position. They're eight and four. I think they have won six straight, if I'm not mistaken. I think they have won six straight. And I'm looking at their remaining schedule right now. They have at Buffalo, then there's a bye. At Indianapolis, Buffalo again at Foxborough. Foxborough versus the Jaguars, and then they go down to Miami for the last game of the season. the the way The way how the Patriots are playing right now, it looks as if they're gonna probably finish with a twelve and five record, or at worst, maybe eleven and six. But it looks like if I had to, if I had to bet. I would bet that they would probably finish 12 and 5. I think the worst case scenario or the worst nightmare for any AFC team is the Patriots getting home field advantage throughout the entirety of the playoffs. Because that means first, they're the only team that get that bye. So th- so that means whoever whoever wins their wild card game. Belichick has time to prepare for you. And you got to go up to Foxborough. Lord knows what the hell the weather looks like in January. Like Lord like Lord can only like Lord only Lord knows what the weather is going to look like. That's all that's already a hassle. 
And I, 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 I've made, I presented this to a, to several people already, to a group of people already. I got laughed out the room. I, like I got, I got laughed out. The Patriots, and I'm like, yeah, the Patriots. I don't think it's far fetched at all. If the Patriots were to make a Super Bowl run, rookie quarterback and all, I don't care at this point. <laughs> I really don't care at this point. Like, okay, Buffalo. The Bills, I think, I think they're real, but they scare me sometimes. I see some I see some deficiencies. They can't run the ball effectively consistently enough, and they're very one-dimensional when it comes to off- offensively. Plus, they lost all pro corner Tredavious White. He's out for the season. So we'll see how that impacts them. And we'll see what the Bills are made out of because they play New England this upcoming week. So we'll see. But Baltimore, do we like I, I like Lamar. I think Lamar, for his efforts and what he's been doing and given the situation in Baltimore, uh, looking at the fact that he's, you know, he's been carrying an injury riddled team and he has them sitting eight and three after 12 weeks is remarkable. But are we sure about Baltimore in the postseason? Do we trust their secondary? I like their coaching staff, but do we trust the secondary? Do we trust hell? Do we trust Lamar? Because and sometimes Lamar, sometimes Lamar kind of annoys me because like like this past Sunday night versus Cleveland, that was a that and granted they won, but that was a nasty victory over Cleveland. And sometimes you need so you sometimes you need those type of wins. But Lamar just played bad. New England has the number one rated defense in the league. I'm not. I'm not so sold on it, but I I do think if there's any team that could go up to Foxborough and possibly win a playoff game, I think it's the Ravens. The Ravens, they do have John Harbaugh, who has experience with, you know, winning games in Foxborough, especially during playoff time. But also, I think Baltimore, with them being able to run the ball effectively, they could slow down the game. They could keep Mac Jones and the offense on the sideline and ball control. But are we sold on Baltimore? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so so I'm not so sure. I'm not so sold on Baltimore. We have Tennessee. We just saw Tennessee. Tennessee now, Tennessee, we know they're a good football team, but we know what they look like without Derrick Henry. Not so good. Ryan Tannehill is forced. He's being asked to make plays and overcompensate for a lot of the injuries that they have on the offensive side of the football. And we just saw this past weekend what happened to the Titans when they went up to Foxborough. Kansas City, yes, they have championship pedigree, championship DNA, but are we so are we just so ready to hop back on the Kansas City bandwagon? I'm not sure. I'm not sure of a lot of these things. So that's why I think the AFC is wide open. I'm not saying New England, I'm not saying New England should be the favorite, but I'm saying right now. Is it far fetched to think that they can't make a Super Bowl run? No. And is it likely? I think it, like I think it is. I, I think it's not so it's not so out of the realm. It's not so out of the possibility. And who else do we trust outside? Like who else do we trust in the AFC? And the one thing the, the the things that I like about New England is this: first, their coaching staff, experienced, seasoned coaching staff. Bill, you can say what you want about Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick continuously has a top tier defense. Once again, that's what it is. They have playmakers on defense that I like. Matthew Judon, obviously, I think he's leading the team in sacks. Uh, J.C. Jackson, he he catches the pick almost every week, just like Trayvon Diggs. Their, their defense is very optimistic. They force a lot of turnovers. Also, offensively, they, New England just do a lot of things that travel, that, that travels well. Offensively, they're able to run the football. Their, their offensive line play is good. They're good up front. They don't necessarily have an elite offensive line they don't have one particular offensive lineman that is elite but as a collective unit they're pretty good they're pretty damn good they're able to run the football effectively they're you know mac jones being a rookie and all and he's i told you guys he's pro ready he throws an accurate and catchable football he is milking and enhancing all he can get out of this receiving core so we can look at the Patriots and say they're not dynamic, but boy, Mac Jones is Mac Jones, Josh McDaniels, so forth. They're milking and they're getting everything they can 
out of this receiving core that they have. So when we say, oh, you know, New England not as explosive as, you know, you would like them to be, uh, but the a- right now I see the AFC wide open. Uh, I think New England currently sits at the number two seed. Um, like I said, I'm, I look at their remaining schedule. I look at Baltimore's remaining schedule, who right now is the number one seed. Um, I, you know, I see it. I see a path where New England could get the number one seed, and that is every AFC team's worst nightmare happening to travel to Foxborough to win a playoff game with Belichick getting an extra week to prepare. It, it just, I don't know. It just, hey, you know, people may not like it or whatever, but like it just, it, it's, it spells bad news. It spells bad news. You, you have to go to Foxborough, win a playoff game versus arguably the best coach of all time. Uh, defensively, they, they got a, they got a great unit. It, it just spells, it spells bad luck. Um, sorry, it, it reeks. <laughs> it reeks. I mean. It's so funny, but I think the AFC is wide open. But uh, I'm very curious to see what you guys think. Or let's you know, let's get into the top ten list. I'm excited to give you guys my top ten list after week twelve, going into week thirteen. I had to take a couple. I had to take a couple teams off because of some losses. Um, it was it was really difficult trying to narrow down the list. Uh, we, I feel like we know the top to the top end of the list. There's some teams on the bottom half who I think are really good, but they're either going through some injuries right now. You know, they they've dropped a couple games and so forth. So, so we'll stay solid on that. But I'm really, I'm really sold and I'm confident on at least my top four teams. I'm really confident on the on this list as of right now. As of right now, but I'm gonna give you my list. Top 10 teams. All right, my top 10 list. Here it goes. So at number ten, like I said, there's some new acquisitions, a couple of you know new acquisitions added, but I gotta put the 49ers. 49ers at six and five. Um, you know, I I thought this team had a chance to be a a pretty good playoff team this year. They're starting to come into form and they're starting to look like a playoff team now. Um, couple couple wins within the division so far. Uh, look, check this out. Jimmy Garoppolo last five games. Five straight games of a hundred or more or higher uh, passer rating. So, like, you know, you give Jimmy Garoppolo a solid offensive line foundation as far as a running game. You know, you let him run his play action. Jimmy Garoppolo is really comfortable and he's efficient. And he's the he like I'm not gonna say he's the reason why they win games because it's not. But like when he's there and he's healthy, they win games. The 49ers win games. So like we can label him as the problem or deficiencies or he has limitations but when he's healthy and when they're going they're winning with him with him at the helm they win games so i got the 49ers at the 10 uh they're fifth they're a physical football team they're well coached they're starting to click and get healthy at the right time uh niners at 10 at number nine i gotta put the dallas cowboys um they've lost three out of the last four games as i've already stated but then they got they got they got too many guys just missing and out. Um, Zeke is now going to miss Thursday's game. Uh, Amari Cooper obviously he's missed the last two games. C.D. Lamb he missed um, the second half of the Chiefs game and he missed the Thanksgiving Day game. Um, you know on the def- on the defensive side of the football, you know you look at the Marcus Lawrence he's been out and Randy Gregory. So like they're like the Cowboys are missing a lot of key starters on both sides of the ball. And now you know what I realized. Over this stretch where they have struggled um, and they have lost their last, you know, their last three out of the last four games, Mike McCarthy and his deficiencies as a coach are starting to show because a lot of these, a lot of this stuff that I see while watching the game or that I have been watching, um, you know, the games that they've been losing, it's, it's a lot of his coaching and lack of adjustments and just, you know, bad play calling at opportune times. Uh, it just, it, it, you know, some of the decision-making is just head-scratching. So I think some of his deficiencies are starting to show. Uh, but I still think this Cowboy team is a really good team. But I want to see them with all of their guys healthy. Cowboys at nine. At eight, the Titans. Similar situation. 
you know, we know they're good, but they're the, the, the Titans. They, they they have too many injuries that they have to overcome. Let's start with Derrick Henry. How about Julio Jones? Okay, how about AJ Brown? They're just missing so many guys, and then that forces Ryan Tannehill, who I like, but I don't. I don't. Ryan Tannehill, he's not built to carry your football team over a long period of stretches. And, you know, over the last two games, he has a quarterback. He has a, he has a QBR rating. He has a QBR of 58. So he's just not playing really good. He's just not playing good football at all. And last two games, he's had two touchdowns. So, like, Tannehill, he's just not giving you the same production because he has to overcompensate for the losses, you know, on, on the offensive side of the football. But, like I said, Titans, they're a good team. They just got to get healthy. Um, we'll see what they look like in full strength. I think they're a little bit better than eight, but Titans at eight right now. At number seven, I have to put the Baltimore Ravens. Despite them being at eight and three, um, these wins that they're grabbing is just they're ugly. They're 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 getting they're just squeaking by this, you know, they're just squeaking by. I know they're getting some guys back healthy on the offense. Um, you know, that a that, that a booster, that a booster their run game, but even Lamar this past Sunday night struggled, and sometimes Lamar have these bad, just just bad halves or bad stretches where some of the throws are just completely off target, or they're you know they're 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 leading into turnovers and so forth. Um, also, the secondary played a little bit better versus Cleveland, even though Cleveland themselves were a bit humble with Baker and so forth. But Baltimore, they they're st- they're staying steady at least. Despite all of that, they're staying steady. They have number one seed. Uh, I still trust their coaching staff. I still got. I still think Lamar is as di- as dynamic as anyone, and I trust them. So I, I keep them at six, at seven for right now. Uh, the Ravens at number six. I got the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, four game winning streak. They're starting to turn some things around. Um, they're not a very physical football team. They're very much finesse, but I think this is why Chris Jones at D tackle is so important. Chris Jones brings and he established the Chiefs physicality. Um, and that's something that they lack. They just lack physicality. Um, over the last couple of weeks, they've been able to force some turnovers. I think the last this on this four game winning streak, they've been able to force eight turnovers. Um, so at least they're, they're you know they're turning they're turning teams over and giving the ball back to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I think eventually their offense will start to get going a little bit. It can only do so much though because they 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 struggle at times a lot to run the football. Um, but defensively they're starting to be a little bit more physical and turn the corner, which is a good sign. At number five, I really don't know how to feel about this team because they drive me crazy. But the Bills at number five, I don't know what to say about this team. They scare me. Um, they got they 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 have a crucial critical injury in the secondary. Jadavius White he tore his ACL. He's out for the remainder of the season. But Josh, but you know I told you guys already. Uh, the Bills, I think they become a bit too Josh Allen dependent. Um, they become very uh, one dimensional. As far as offensively, with just being so pass heavy, um, they struggled. They 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 struggled to establish the line of scrimmage on offense. You know their offensive line. They they got some pretty good offensive linemen, but they struggled to as a as a unit to establish their presence on the offensive line. That's that's one of the reasons why they struggled to run the football so much. But I got the Bills at number five. At number four, I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's just, you know, these last three teams that I've listed, they all have the same weaknesses, kind of, offensively. Buccaneers, once again, you know, Brady's playing at an MVP level. Uh, the receivers, you know, they're, they're, you know they're, they're very productive and so forth. Obviously, Gronkowski has to stay a little bit healthy. But once again, the Buccaneers, they can't run the football. Like, the, the Buccaneers, they struggle to run the football. One weekend, the, the running game is there. And then for like another two, three weekends, it, it just disappeared. I don't know where Ronald Jones is. I don't know where Fournette is. I don't know. It just they 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 struggle big time to run the football, and they're they are very apparent about it because they go they they get very pass happy as well with Tom. But they got to be able to establish a run game if they want to continue to go deep into the postseason. Also, 
Their defense still kind of give up some big plays, but it looks like Tampa's trying to turn the corner as we get closer and closer to, to uh, December. Um, at number three, I have the Cardinals. I, you know, I don't know. Like, I like I know they're good. Um, I want to see them healthy with Kyler Murray. It's kind of scary because the, the the last two years, Kyler Murray, his body has physically just broken down. So he's so he's still out with his ankle injury. We'll see what, what his status is, uh, you know, for this week and the next coming weeks. But you know, the Cardinals, it's 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 just hard for me to judge them uh, because they're they're missing so many playmakers. Uh, but they're able to rush the quarterback. They're 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 probably the fastest team in football, um, just on both sides of the ball. Like offensively, you look what they can do on the outside, and then defensively, like I said, they rush the quarterback. They make your quarterback uncomfortable. That's what I like about. That's what I really like about the Cardinals. That's why I got them at three. At number two, yeah, I got to the New England Patriots at number two. Um, th- this this team is on fire. Six game winning streak. Uh, and we and you know we talk about. We talk about how like not you know how non-explosive or you know the lack of explosiveness that this that this Patriots team lack on offense, but thirty points per game. I mean, they're, 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 it's like they're putting up thirty. They're putting up thirty-five. Some of these scores that I'm seeing from their games is just ridiculous, and they're just just routing opponents at this point. Uh, like I told you guys, you give me. A quarterback that's going to manage the game, that's not going to turn over the ball. Mac Jones, I like this is the one. This is the one quality I like about Mac Jones. Outside of the accuracy and the anticipatory throwing, it's something that young quarterbacks usually struggle with, and it's the fact that Mac Jones knows what he's not, and he know he knows he know who he is, and he know what he ain't. He know who he is, and he know who he ain't. I like that about Mac Jones. Um, and then, you know, Belichick in this defense, this is the best defense in football. This is the best defense in football. Like it's, it's the best defense in football, uh, over this last six game winning streak. Guess what? They're, they have a 13 turnover. Like they're like the differential as far as their turnovers is amazing. 13 plus 13. The next, the next team, they double whoever as whoever's at number two. So, like, New England is just on fire right now. I got to put them at number two. Right now, they look like the best AFC team in football. Um, and then at number one, I have the Green Bay Packers. They have been consistent. Um, the Packers, they can, they continue to find ways to win games without, like, like starters, like legitimate starters. They're missing their best DB. They're missing Aaron Jones. Like, they're missing so many Pro Bowl caliber players and they continue to win out. Aaron Rodgers is playing pretty well also. Um, but, like, the Packers from top to bottom, offense, defensively, they look like the number one team in football. Uh, New England's right there. But Green Bay, more consistently over time. Uh, and they can, like, and the, the most impressive thing is they win games without – they're winning games without key important starters, impact players. So that is my top ten. My top 10 teams for this week going into week 13 after week 12. I, like I said, I feel pretty confident about it, especially the top four. Uh, but I'm going to have some more college football talk. Lincoln Riley going to USC. Uh, Brian Kelly going to LSU. Have more talk right after this. So a little bit more on uh, Lincoln Riley going to USC before I let you guys go. Uh, and, it, you know, I talked about – Everybody that's involved with in terms of and and I know and let me and let me first say this for for those who like on social media or so forth who are like why would Lincoln Riley leave or uh, Oklahoma or um why did he have to leave Oklahoma like that first of all I've always have said this I've said uh, um college football the NCAA as a whole but in particular let's just specify it right now for you know. But for general reasons, right? In particular, college football needs more parameters and boundaries and restrictions around its schedule. If you don't like, because because let's be honest, I don't think Lincoln Riley, I don't think Brian Kelly, 
I don't think these guys that have been at these respected programs and have and have been successful as they have been, I don't think they want to leave on terms like this where it's it's near the end of the season, we're going into bowl season, and they just take new jobs. I don't think they necessarily want to leave like that. But with the with with college football not having any type of parameters and schedules and tampering type of restrictions like I don't know, the NBA, the NFL does, you know, like the NFL has, um, then then things like this is going to continue to happen where individuals look out for themselves, conferences, programs, athletic direct, athletic directors, coaches, players, all of those separate entities, because that's how they operate. They're going to all look out for themselves individually when it comes down to making a decision. For for the play for the kids' sake, it's like you know transferring or you know declaring for the draft or whatever. And these coaches, these coaches get ridiculed because they leave in the middle or near towards the end of the year, and it's like, well, if there's no tampering dates or restrictions that that's that's place that college football don't have, then yet like this is this this is just a way of operation. So that's just that. Second of all, let's not let's like let's let's put this in perspective. Everybody that's listening, that's under the sound of my voice, everybody that's listened to this episode, everybody that has a career path. When when an offer is on the table and it's an offer that you can't pass up, and I'm talking big big time figures that Lincoln Rowley and uh, Brian Kelly, because I see they're getting they're getting ridiculed and. If you want to, if you want to be that person that makes that argument, okay, well, guys like LeBron and KD, they got they got criticized for leaving their respective franchises as free agents. Um, so why can't we do that with coaches? Okay, but if you're just that guy on Twitter that's just saying, oh, Lincoln Riley, he left. He left without giving OU a notice. And Oklahoma left the Big 12 to go to the SEC without without notice, without giving the Big 12 a proper notice. Like, so like it's just all hypocritical. Um, and let's let me and, and let me finish up this point. When you're offered a hundred million dollars on the table, when a hundred million dollars is on the table. I bet all of you guys that's listening to me right now, you're going to take that $100 million for that new job, for that new promotion. So can we please stop acting like, oh, like, like, like Brian Kelly or Lincoln Rally, like they, like they committed a crime. No, when you have an offer on the table for that amount of something, you're going to take it. So that's what I mean by everybody that's listening to me. You're, you're for sale. You're for sale. So don't act like you're holier and you wouldn't like, no, you're going to take the money. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're greedy, but it's just a, it's it's a promotion. It's a offer because of your services. They whoever's offering you this type of money and this type of deal figure that you are valuable enough and you are impactful enough that you deserve this. But. That's neither here or there. I would also like to say, hey, with Lincoln Rally going to USC, uh, I talked about the recruiting already, but the Pac-12, the, the Pac-12, they're going to benefit from this as well. The Pac-12 finally, and it's not just USC getting recognition. You notice when I'm talking about this Lincoln Rally move to USC, you notice I mentioned the entire West Coast because the entire West Coast is going to now receive a lot of attention in terms of college football. A lot of people are going to now tune into the West Coast just in general. Not just USC. Obviously, like I said, USC is that one big brand out West that can draw the eyes. It's LA. It's Hollywood. They're going to have stars. Lincoln Riley is a superstar young coach. Offensive-minded. They're going to be exciting to watch. USC is that program that's going to bring the te- the attention and the eyeballs. But as a whole, the Pac-12 and the West Coast in general in terms of college football, 
they're going to receive a lot of love and a lot of attention as well because USC is back. It's going to be, I think USC is going to be back on the map. So the Pac-12 as a conference, they have been irrelevant for the greater part of the last decade, right? There's been a couple years where, you know, obviously Mariota when you know, where Mariota when Marcus Mariota had some dominant years at Oregon, uh, they were, you know, Oregon was relevant. They, you know, they remained within the national championship talk uh, or, you know, conversation. And then and then Patterson up in Washington, you know, he, he, he had a couple years where Washington was pretty good. But for the, for the most part, the Pac-12 in terms of the college football playoff and the discussion of the college football playoff, they have been irrelevant. Uh, in terms of national championship talk, the Pac-12 has been irrelevant. That will no longer be a case. I don't think. I don't think that would be a problem. You're getting out. You're getting some. You, the, I think the Pac-12. This is great for them. They're gonna get. Na- they're gonna get no, more national coverage that they have been getting over the last ten years. I guarantee it. If Lincoln Rally and and you look at the schedule for next year for USC, it's not that hard. No Oregon. Um, I don't think they play you like so. Like it's their schedule next year is it, it's not that difficult, but. The Pac-12, um, this will be this will be a domino effect. This will be a domino effect because if you think about it, if you look at some of the top players at the top program, you know, at the top programs right now, currently, a lot of those players, a lot of those kids, are California kids or West Coast kids. Not necessarily California, but they're West Coast kids. Like a lot of the top prospects. At the you know at Ohio State, Alabama, like they're 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 West Coast kids. They're California kids. They're from Washington. They're from Oregon. They're from they're from Southern Cal. A lot of these are a lot of these are West Coast kids. Um and or, or Arizona. So so this is going to be big for USC because one, there was once upon a time when USC was rolling and dominant. USC they had a fence. They had a wall around California and Southern California in terms of recruiting. So even like the big dogs like Ohio State and Alabama and Florida, like they wouldn't have a chance at these kids. And and when USC was rolling, when, when Pete Curl was at USC, they didn't have a chance at getting some of these kids because they, they, they had a, like USC had a fence around uh, this recruiting in terms of the West Coast and, you know, more, you know, more specifically, the California, like they had a, they had a, they had a fence around it. So this is going to be big. And then Brian Kelly, like I said, Brian Kelly going to Notre Dame or going to LSU, leaving Notre Dame. It feeds into my point that I've made about Michigan, but it's even more prevalent with Notre Dame. And it's hard. It is hard as hell to recruit kids to go to Notre Dame nowadays. Nowadays, like the kids nowadays, they don't care about the Notre Dame rich tradition and history. Like they don't care. Like they, the, you know, Notre Dame is in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of Indiana. Uh, it's cold. You know, it's it's you know the academic the academics are rigorous. So it's it's it, that right there in itself is challenging to get kids in, but. When you when you add in the fact that think about every time Notre Dame has made it to like the college football playoff, or you see Notre Dame in a bowl game and they're playing up against an SEC opponent like LSU or Alabama or Clemson or you know think about it they get they get demolished, and I think Brian Kelly you know despite him having he's he, he's he's done a hell of a job at Notre Dame. I, I, you know, he's done a hell of a job in Notre Dame. Many people wouldn't believe this, but Brian Kelly has the most 10-win seasons in Notre Dame history. He has the most 10-win seasons in Notre, at, in, in Notre Dame history. So, like, Brian Kelly, the, the, the job that he's done at Notre Dame ha, is really good. Um, it's, it's been he, he has them in good shape. Whoever gets the job, Notre Dame is in good shape. But it's just going to be so much easier to recruit and those games versus Saban and Georgia and Clemson, they're, 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 those games are going to be much more competitive because, like, 
Brian Kelly, you know, his years Notre Dame versus Alabama or versus Ohio State or versus Clemson, like you just have more NFL dudes down south. And it's hard to get those dudes from down south to come up and play at Notre Dame because Notre Dame don't they don't have Notre Dame now don't get me wrong. Notre Dame is still a great program. Notre Dame is still a great brand, but Notre Dame is not they don't they don't have the same pool that they that they don't have the same pool at the younger generation like they had 20 years ago. Like they just don't. They don't have that same pool. The younger like I said, the younger generation the, the, the people my age range, we don't care like with all due respect. We don't care about the Notre Dame rich history. We all know they have a rich history, but it's just so hard to recruit. And I think Brian Kelly, I think you, you take it into account, you take into account that he was also offered a hundred million dollars. It's just hard to turn it down, but that's going to do it. I don't want to hold you guys too much longer. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid podcast. Um, at the conference championship weekend, I will give you guys my college football playoff four, my top four. I will do my top four rankings for you guys after, um, co- uh, you know, conference championship this upcoming Saturday or this upcoming weekend. That should be fun. Also, fun week uh, in week 13 with the NFL. But I hope you guys enjoy. Always remember two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace. Deuces. Catch you guys.